0: Hello, it's all about protecting the soil on the program this week. It's crucial to farming and when it's gone, it really has
1: gone. It's a resource that you can't redevelop. They're yeah. not going to be another 50 hectares pop up in the sea, uh, you know, every year. We have what we have. Also, Nick has an update from
0: British Sugar and we find out about the success of last weekend's Open Farm Sunday.
2: Fantastic success. Your hats off to all those farmers that took part. The week in agriculture. This is The Farming Programme, with Sean Dunderdale.
0: Hello, it's a Cereals special this week, recorded here at Cereals at Duxford in Cambridgeshire. On Wednesday and Thursday, basking in warm sunshine, plenty of discussions took place, with a fair bit of business done as well. Brexit, of course, dominated a lot of discussion. But being an arable event, another hot topic was that of soil health and not just in the soil pit. With DEFRA Secretary Michael Goh focusing on the environment and incentivising no-till farming, it's an issue very much in the mind of those here at Cereals. We need soil. If it's overused, damaged, or we lose it, then no crops will grow, including grass, to feed our animals. So soil really is crucial. Andy Holes is from Hutchinson's. They unveiled their new healthy soil service on the first morning of Cereals.
1: It's a resource that you can't redevelop. They're not <laughs> going to be another 50 hectares pop up in the sea uh, you know, every year. We have what we have. You know, government is listening to a, a lot of information from uh, um, you know, a lot of areas that are less connected with agriculture, shall we say, more of the green type areas that are influencing heavy, you know, government heavily. And, you know, as an industry, we need to have an approach where we can stand up and say, well, you know, we are already doing all this good work. Look at what farmers are creating and and the industry is doing, which makes a good impact on the future decisions that are going to be made. So... It's, it's really, really important. The, the, the Healthy Soil Service is something that's not a, it's fashionable, so we're going to talk about it. The Healthy soils is driven from a lot of the work that we've done elsewhere. So from our YEN work, for instance, um, the Yield Enhancement Network, our Brampton Blackgrass Centre of Excellence, all the things that we've been learning around those centres and those um, opportunities we brought together as part uh, of this healthy soils um, assessment now the healthy soils assessment isn't something that we would want to say to growers that you roll out across the whole farm healthy soils is more around looking at underperforming areas of the farm variations in soil types if you're taking on a new block of land um, all those areas that you think you might want to challenge to actually increase the soil health or profitability so what we would say to growers is, well, you know, if you've got an area of underperforming, we would carry out an assessment. Now, assessment comprises of three parts, so chemical, physical and biological. So the chemical analysis is done um, as a, a, as, a, as an analysis. We look at um, organic matter levels, cation exchange, additional elements, available elements and also total elements. We actually have a, a piece of IP that we convert those into kilos a hectare instead of milligrams a litre, so it's more... Um, open for the growers, so we take the chemical analysis as part of the assessment, and then we go into the physical. So, in my view, it's it's an assessment that gets hands-on. It's a, it's getting your hands dirty. It's actually looking at the physical soil. So we take um, a spade out of the top, noting the areas of compaction looking at um, areas of interest. So we would do a vest on that. So we'd score that. We use an Elgerman auger. And bear in mind that we don't get down to base rock like we are here about 18 inches deep. We can go down to about 1.2 metres. So we core those out and we can break the cores and actually look at physically what's going out, noting areas of compaction, looking for any mottling or greying, etc. As part of the um, of, of that, we do an infiltration test, so how quickly the water drains through the soils to give, it, uh, to give a good instance into how well structured it is. We look at um, the biological, so capturing any worms. We've got a benchmark of, uh, of, of how many worms per assessment is a good level of worms in biology to have. We do uh, CO2 burst, which is a measurement of biology. It doesn't clearly identify whether it's good, bad or indifferent, but it, act, you know, it acknowledges something's happening. We do the active carbon scoring um, uh, um, uh, as part of that process to see if the, the soil is actually um, processing, is actively processing carbon within the soil. Um, then we get into um, areas of uh, looking at establishment, drillage, drainage. You know, you name it. The, the assessment looks at it, and the assessment itself is a report of information. So. Uh, the growers would receive a, a, a standard assessment report which is an information pack there's a lot of, a lot of detail in there um, and it's then when we come back for a second time to meet the grower and go through the report that we look at changes in management practice potentially areas that we found that we think we need to identify and that could be a 10 year programme for building organic matter it could be dealing with a pan that's at 20 inches and you can't touch it with a subsoiler it's, it's all about that uh, looking at areas of erosion, for instance, so if you've got, you know, field corners, sloping, draining into ditches, all those type of things, it's a, it's a, it's an, a service that really encompasses all of the, the areas of soil health that we think growers need to address not only for profitability, but also starting a benchmark for the future in changes in legislation.
0: That's Andy Hoyles from Hutchinson's. Now, over on the machinery lines, there were a few ideas aimed at hitting Mr Go's targets, certainly on minimum tillage. One such system was on show by Missouri. Fire manager Ben Knight
3: talked me through it. We're a one-pass system, so we're um, tilling a strip. Um, we're cutting we've got a leading disc and then we're running the time so to create um, a bit of disturbance um, in creating that tilth which is so key we're then reconsolidating and then going through we've got a range of different cultures so a double shoot and a single shoot depending on uh, the species and it's yeah for, for us very important that we're Creating that tilt and then reconsolidating and getting that seed soil contact. It's it's the building blocks, it's the foundation for our, our year ahead, so it's everything to us.
0: The environment is the buzzword at the moment and yes. this is definitely helping that, isn't it? Yes,
3: absolutely. We're um it's part of our rotations, we've introduced cover crops. Uh this machine's uh very able to go through a cover crop we've got the leading disc to chop through um and yeah we're building a soil health it's uh, yeah worms are our greatest you know workers and soils our best asset so we must work in tandem because yeah for so many years uh, we've sort of uh, moved away from that and forgotten the key to it all really so for us yeah this single pass machine works very well and we're able to drill a, a, bit, a bit later uh, gets a chit of things like black grass and bromes which are becoming a bit more of a challenge. So, uh, Working together with nature as I say and with the machine itself we're getting very good results and I'd like to also mention about the, the new development this year uh, with the exact seed units so these are a bolt on to our standard drill um, they're individual precision pods which sits on the back of each coulter and we're feeding those pods from a mother tank so instead of uh, an operator having to fill mini hoppers across the width of the drill they're able to fill a mother tank which is far more efficient but it's also then uh, increasing the versatility of the drill itself because as well as drilling we can precision drill maize and interestingly we've done a precision uh, wheat trial on our home farm and uh, yeah we're drilling at 18 kilos a hectare so which is massively low but the tillers have just been astronomical we've had so uh, typically we're getting say five tillers per seed we're now getting uh sort of late 30s almost with some of the hybrid wheat so we're, yeah, it's an ongoing trial we're conducting, but uh, it just shows what uh, the drill can do and how it can fit uh, different uh, applications, really. So. Have
0: the results so far surprised you pleasantly?
3: Absolutely, yeah. We had uh, some farm tours in late May from uh, farmers all around the UK, and they were quite taken aback by it all, really. And Interestingly, we had a farmer uh, who's using a Missouri drill. He actually made a drill error last uh, two autumns ago um, he drilled at 75 kilos instead of 175 kilos. And as it turned out, his agronomist entered it for the world record um, in May, and it just fell short, but it did over 16 tonnes the hectare. So I think we're on to something with seed rates when it comes to wheat drilling. So, yeah, it's uh, quite an interesting aspect to, to what the drill can do for us. It certainly sounds it. Thanks, Ben Knight from Missouri.
0: From one side of cereals to the other then, let's go to the AICC stand where our agronomist Sean Sparling is waiting. Morning, Sean.
4: Yes, morning, Sean. It was actually a very busy cereals for me. I know there don't seem to be the numbers there. Certainly at cereals, it seems to be quite thin on the ground. In other years, five years ago, you would look up an out avenue and you wouldn't be able to see for people. Well, now it's like 28 days later. You can walk across without bumping into anybody and hardly see anybody. So whether that's because it's got a bigger footprint or whether it's because of... Um, the costs of people getting in, I I don't know. Um, There are certainly noticeably fewer exhibitors there this year, some of the big names weren't there, Um, and we'll have to see where things go, but as AICC goes, as far as we go, it's been a very, very busy serial. I mean, I was was chairing a a session on weed control strategies going forward. Uh, On the first day, I was part of a panel on fungicide discussion, on the second day, and AICC, we took over 30 new members while we were there, so that's absolutely awesome for us. So it's been very productive for us and worthwhile for us and I hope it does continue because it is a good event. Um, So let's get on to what was just said, soils, absolutely crucial that uh, we look after our soils, and when I hear organic people saying that uh, conventional doesn't look after soils it is nonsense. We do just what they do, we do everything they do except we use herbicides as well. They use fungicides, insecticides, cultivations, rotation, varieties, organic manures, we do all that too. We only step in with herbicides if we need to because there's no other solution for the problem and what you need to also bear in mind is the less cultivation we can do and herbicides help us not to cultivate the better it is for the soil because we're not damaging the soil ecosystem we're not disrupting bacteria we're not disrupting worms and beneficial ground nesting birds or mammals that live in the soil by not cultivating and that's where till systems come in and that's why glyphosate is so vital along with the other herbicides. so um, everything we do is grown in that top 10 inches of soil so it's vital we look after it and we all understand that right let's have a quick see of agronomy it, it will be quick this one we winter wheat um, ear wash spray is going on now. If your wheat's already flowered, you're too late to control any fusarium. At best, you will only ever have done 50% control of fusarium. So make a decision. Once it's flowered, if there's fusarium in there, it is already in and there is nothing you can do about it. So anything after that is purely disease top-up, foliar disease top-up. Some varieties are worse for rust, some are worse for septoria. So tailor the mix that you're going to put on to deal with that. And remember, strobilia chemistry is still there as long as you've only used two in a season. Uh, Chlorothalonil is still there. The, the multi site inhibitors are very useful. Um, so, metconazole, tebiconazole, prothioconazole make your choice and tailor it to what you're trying to do, particularly if your T0 T1 or T2 were compromised in any way um, spring wheat, spring barley, winter barley they're getting towards being at their heaviest now, so the least, the last thing we want is a repeat of high winds coupled with uh, heavy rain like we got this time last year, over the next 10 days 14 days if we get storms it could be a bit disastrous, but they look pretty clean a little bit of abiotic spotting in the barley generally clean, but quite a lot of blind sites where the late frost hit some of this earlier drilled spring barley and that'll be interesting to monitor as we go through the rest of the season. Uh, Sugar beet romping away, not a lot to say about beet, no pest activity out there, peas, beans, fungicides going on now, a little bit of downy mildew because it's potato blight weather and while I'm talking about blight for goodness sake keep your seven day intervals going. Watch the weather and bear in mind your neighbours may not be as good at controlling volunteer potatoes as you are the inoculum is out there, for goodness sake, keep that seven day interval particularly if it's thundering, and back to a full report next week.
0: It's a cereals special on the farming programme this week, and uh, doesn't mean we can't hear from the regulars, because Nick Morris from British Sugar just happened to be at cereals on day one as well uh, Hi Nick, you okay?
5: Yeah, right, okay well firstly to say it's great to see you here at this uh, cereals event, despite the name uh, as a root crop, we are still uh, really interested uh, and of relevant information and people here to network with at Cereal so great to be here on this sunny day in Hertfordshire. Uh, So what's happening with sugar beet? Well you need to uh, drive down the road and pass some crops to see how uh, they've really moved on in the last six weeks with some incredible growth and you'll recall I was uh, probably uh, A little bit downbeat about the potential of the crop this year after a really protracted and delayed sowing uh, season. We were looking about four weeks late uh, at one point uh, in terms of getting the crop sown but as I said at the time it's about how quickly the crop gets established after drilling more than uh, the timing of the seed actually going in the ground and throughout all of May we had warm weather with frequent uh, rain showers in between and the, the crop has absolutely motored um, so you know, I really do think the crop looks full of promise. Mm. Now, there's a, there's a saying
0: which I've heard you say before. I've heard Sean Sparling say it many times as well about that benchmark of of
5: Lincolnshire Show. That's right. Yeah. So the uh, the old wives' tale, uh, as such as a, as a yardstick of uh, the sugar beet crop's potential, is if the crop's meeting across the rows by the Lincolnshire Show, uh, you're looking at a crop of sugar beet with great potential. And stood here uh, now, I. You know, driving down today, I saw lots of crops that are already at that stage, and certainly many more that will be at that stage by uh, this this time next week uh, when we'll be at the Lincolnshire show. So, um, that, if that uh, stands true, then again we can remain optimistic about the crop we've got. Uh, coming to us this, this coming campaign. So, uh, yeah, those, some of those old sayings, they're, um, they've been uh, built over a long time, haven't they? And uh, let's hope that the truth uh, remains in them this year as well. And you say that it's something anybody, any farmer can just take a look in the field
0: now and think, right, it's Lincolnshire show week, how's it looking? And you can kind of, yeah, it looks all right.
5: Ab- absolutely, yeah, and they can get a gauge as to whether they're going to uh, you know, earn, earn out of that crop or not. Of course, as always, we have... Uh, uh, we're talk- probably talking about the average and we have some which are above the average and then we do have some other crops as well and some uh, isolated cases of issues in crops we had uh, last Saturday uh, a uh, really significant rainfall event in fact uh, Andrew Ward recorded 87mm of rain at his farm in, in Leadenham and that actually was quite very, very localised and c- but did create isolated flooding and uh, that has led to some damage to the crops. We have also some isolated issues uh, with pests uh, in the crop as well, as well as diseases Aphanomyces we've found this week in the crop, which is a uh, soil borne uh, disease which uh, really constricts the, the, the crown of the of, the, of the, the plant and actually can separate the, the growing leaf uh, from the root element of the plant and, and actually kill that plant So while we're finding it at a very low level in a very small proportion of the fields, it is there and it's a function of warm and wet weather which really allows that disease to proliferate. So yes, we do have some isolated uh, issues but ultimately we, we feel really positive and confident about the crop going into this campaign weed control generally pretty successful uh, every year you have uh, great success in some weeds and uh, uh, more challenges with other weeds and the, the weeds themselves will change from one year to the next which ones are easier to control than than others uh, this year seems to have been really easy to control Phil Pansy uh, However, fool's parsley has got away from us in in quite a number of fields. So overall, though, we're getting there. Blackgrass has been quite tough this year, owing to the dry weather conditions, um, which has meant it was a little bit less receptive to the Centurion Max chemical, but um, uh, uh, overall reasonable control. And as I say, we are looking uh, quite positive about the crop going into campaign. Now, as we stand here at uh, Cereals,
0: we're looking at some new branding as well. I was walking around trying to find where you were with British Sugar. I walked past you twice because the branding has changed. It's a different colour. Talk us through it.
5: That's right, yeah. So, uh, incredibly, we have launched our, our new brand, uh, and it's, uh, it's green instead of blue, uh, and we've replaced our Bright Star Uh, emblem to a uh, new circular emblem and in actual fact the the previous uh, emblem, the bright star, was created in the mid-1970s and uh, you may uh, likely remember me talking about the uh, end of sugar regime uh, and quota reform, which happened last october, and we felt it was a really pertinent time uh, as a customer led business to really hone our brand and, and, and focus our colors uh, and emblem with uh, you know the future our future direction future ambition uh, within uh, our domestic market and you will see our branding and our livery change over the next few months as we uh, as we get that rolled out after uh, best part of forty years of the same branding it takes quite a long time to catch up with all of your stationary signage uh, clothing uh, to get that brand change but we are on that journey and hopefully by September we'll have completed it and uh, our new branding will come uh, you know familiar to the uh, to the agricultural industry and, and hopefully the um, uh, the general public as well keep an eye out for it you can't miss it when you see it. it's, a, it's a really
0: good green colour um, and British sugar on it so we'll look out for it thanks Nick great thanks Sean now, while wandering up and down the lanes, I spotted the Leaf Stand at Cereals. Of course, Leaf were responsible for last weekend's Open Farm Sunday. Caroline Drummond is Chief Executive.
2: Fantastic success. Hats off to all those farmers that took part. We had 360 farms opening up right across the country. Really, there must have been about 10,000 people in the industry helping out. And, of course, welcoming. Thousands of families out onto the countryside to understand and discover the story about our food and farming, and how farmers are looking after the environment. We reckon that there was probably around 270,000 people that went out on Sunday. Pretty well everywhere. The weather was fantastic, and the sheer joy. Uh, it is just. I think it's a. It's a great opportunity to farmers to really tell their story in an honest and open way. And. Just the awe that people have when they go out onto farm, you know, the sheer scale of things, the innovation, the science that goes on between uh, in terms of how we are producing our foods and the care that farmers are doing in terms of looking after the environment as well. Of
0: course it's important time, isn't it? You know, there's so much uncertainty in agriculture at the minute. It's important that leaf that agriculture in general are engaging with with the people who are buying the products
2: very much so it's really critical that we actually get our story heard so that people understand and recognize just how important the agricultural industry not is this is in terms of not only to our rural population but actually to our urban population you know 50 percent of our food is produced in this country and when you look at our capability of growing grain right through to obviously you know livestock production we're world class and it's very important that our customers and our consumers here in the UK understand that much better.
0: Caroline Drummond from Leaf, great to hear of that success of Open Farm Sunday last weekend. Right, that's it from cereal, certainly for this week. We'll probably have a bit more on it next week on the programme. It's not it from this week's programme, though, yet, as we need our catch up with Chris Spratt from Open Field. So we say,
6: Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Sean. Well, this week, I think, uh, main highlight really has been the USDA report, which came out midweek. Uh, I suppose the highlight of that being a further reduction in the Russian wheat crop. We seem to talk about that regularly at the moment, but it is influential. Currently, the cheapest world wheat available. And, uh, you know, they've actually reduced that forecast for this coming harvest again, bringing down expectations from the 72 million tonnes that they talked about previously down to 68.5 million tonnes of wheat and uh, that 's actually interesting in a way because it 's a reduction in area, not yield, which still you know as as we 've talked about the you know the yield potential out there we feel is going down a little bit at the moment, so we we could see further downgrades as we go along. Otherwise, and even taking that into account, I think you could describe the report as neutral. Um, The other point of note throughout the course of the week is that um, Egypt did buy uh, wheat for June, uh, early July delivery, 240,000 tonnes of Russian and I think 180,000 tonnes of Romanian at their latest tender. So... With the wheat market, certainly there's plenty of unknowns, uh or, you know, and I, I do feel as though this season we're we' we' we're gonna go ahead for a a bit of a bumpy ride, Sean. Um all seed rape, well again, that's uh, in a in abeyance a little bit. Obviously we've got the Chinese US uh, tariff uh, talks, um, we'll see how that pans out over the next, uh, week, really. Uh, you know, the black boxes and algorithms and tweets will all be having an influence on that market over the next few days. And again, I think we'll, we're due for some quite violent movements either way. Um, and basically it's, you know, a case of Chinese steel going into the US against US Sawyer going into China and the tariffs that will be imposed either way and oh my word you know how does that reflect all seed rape in this country well at the moment it's an influence on our market until we actually get uh, a picture of how our domestic crop uh, uh, develops and the supply and demand in the UK these outside factors will have an influence and uh uh, you know, for the time being, the market seems to have ignored the fact that uh, uh, the the Argentinian crop is uh, they've seen a 20 million tonnes decline. I mean, uh, amazing, really, in some instances, what the market does react to and what it wants to ignore when it wants to ignore it. As far as prices are concerned, feed wheat July 158 to 164, x farm And then feed wheat for harvest 151 to 157, with November 155 to 160. And May 19, 162 to 168. And like I always like to do at this time of year, look a little bit further uh, afield. uh, November 19, 153 to 157. Feed barley on the old crop, now price is almost defunct really, very difficult to get an old crop uh, price there with harvest pending. Uh, But harvest feed barley, 132 to 136 X farm, with November 142 to 146. So a big carry there, and then a pound a month uh, after that uh, November price. Spring barley quite frankly there's all sorts of prices being talked about but uh, no real trade taking place and uh, no one really selling now with the, uh, the, the spring that we've had and quite frankly uh, I don't necessarily know if I'd be encouraging my growers at the moment until we see some known quality all seed rape, the old crop well uh, I think speak to your, your local farm business manager your open, farm, uh, your open field guy because uh, the prices are varying by the minute and certainly very much dependent on which part of the country you're in Harvest uh, rapeseed 282 with November 292 to 295. So, again, a good carry there to November. And, you know, on some of these commodities now, uh, I think growers have probably uh, sold as much new crop as they're prepared to at the moment in certain parts of um, the area. It's extremely dry now. Uh, Others have been lucky enough to get a rain. But uh, at the moment, the the amount of selling is sort of dwindling back a little bit, really. And I think the bid-offer spread on some of these commodities are are quite wide. And, uh, you know, I think if we get somewhere near a five-year average, these prices, especially on the wheat, will look pretty attractive. Thanks, Chris. Chris Bratz, Open Field. As you can tell, I've moved on a little from
0: cereals. I'm in the office now of Jane Southall, Chief Executive at The Lincolnshire Show, the next big event in the agricultural calendar, happening this coming Wednesday and Thursday, of course. More from Jane in a moment. First, the weather for the week.
7: The farming programme. Five-day forecast.
0: Jane, I think you're going to be all right. Today, uh, a few showers in places. Highs of 17, the wind from the west-southwest at 15 miles an hour. Drier this evening, clear skies indeed to start Monday morning. Lows of around 13, the wind from the southwest, 10, gusting at 20. And then tomorrow, some early sunshine, but the possibility of showers certainly clouding over through the day. 20, the high, the wind from the west southwest, uh, gusting at 25 miles an hour for a time. Dryer again overnight Monday into Tuesday with a sunny Tuesday ahead as well. Overnight lows of around 9 Celsius, the wind from the west-northwest around 10 miles an hour. And then the highs for Tuesday, warm, as I say, sunshine as well, 23 Celsius, the wind from the southwest, 15 to 20 miles an hour. Clear skies to start Wednesday. We're looking at uh, lows of rather muggy actually 15 Celsius. The wind from the southwest uh, between 15 maybe gusting at 30 miles an hour and then dry and cloudy through Wednesday. We're looking at highs of around 21 Celsius for day one of the Lincolnshire show. The wind from the west again 10 to 20 miles an hour. So that's the forecast. So uh, Jane, how are you feeling with the Lincolnshire show just a few days away then?
7: It is, it's great and the weather's forecast to be good which is really great.
0: So what are the highlights this year?
7: Well, this year we're celebrating uh, 100 years of the RAF and we're also remembering it's 100 years since the end of the First World War. So we've got the uh, Falcons, which are parachuting into the main ring. We've got the Baton, the RAF Baton, that's supposed to do 100 events in 100 days and it's coming to the Lincolnshire Show. We've got a parade, which is uh, remembering the past and embracing the future. So we've got some people from the British Legion, but we've also got a vintage fire engine, a new fire engine, an old police car and a new police car, an old tractor and a new tractor because it still relates back to agriculture.
0: So plenty to celebrate aviation. Of course, agriculture is still at the heart of the show as well. Uh, this is why it started, isn't
7: it? It is. Agriculture is at the heart of the show and we've got lots of leaflets when people come and lots of signs when people walk round, you know, saying that you know in the during the First World War um, it, you could never have more than a two-course meal and you were fined if you wasted food and we were challenged with feeding the world. The, we had 6,000 tractors on, on the lander after the end of the First World War because all the men, men had got off to war. The children used to collect eggs and it was courage to everyone ate eggs, a different thing. So it still all relates back to agriculture. But uh, 100 years of both of them is something we could not sort of celebrate, especially because we're an aviation county.
0: Fabulous. Look forward to it. Thanks, Jane. Jane Southall from The Lincolnshire Show. We'll be there as well with our special Lincolnshire Show radio and highlights from the show, plus more on the programme back Same time next week. Until then, have a good week.